Welcome to Pocket Economics, a guide to changing lives, our podcast about the ideas which are shaping the EBRD regions and beyond. Some of these ideas are actively helping us in our mission to invest in changing lives. Others are an important part of the landscape in which we operate. I'm Jonathan Charles, and today we're discussing inequality. Our chief economist, Sergei Guriev, is here to discuss how it affects economic growth, reforms, and even people's happiness. Sergei, according to both the Old and New Testaments, the poor will always be with us. That's also been the case with inequality, hasn't it? Well, it, it is actually changing in the recent years and decades. Uh, if we talk to the, uh, about the poor, the global poverty went down from something like 40% of global population just uh, in early 80s to something below 10% this year. And uh, inequality is changing as well. Uh, while there is a perception and some truth uh, to it uh, in some countries, within countries, globally, inequality is actually shrinking. If you look at the data uh, co- collected by uh, Branka Milanovic, the global inequality since 1988 declined by six percentage points in terms of Gini coefficient. And actually, three percentage point of that decline happened uh, since uh, the Great Recession, as um, growth in poor countries continued, while the growth in uh, richer countries actually slowed down. So in global terms, uh, inequality is coming down. Of course, that doesn't mean that within countries inequality is coming down. We see inequality still very high and in some cases growing in some countries in the rich world and in the poor world as well. There's a bit of an irony there, isn't there? You know, the statistics tell us it's coming down, as you say, but we seem to be focusing on it more than ever, at least in recent times. Once again, uh, there is no global government, so people really care about uh, within-country developments. And uh, their uh, inequality is quite high, and also people see that uh, uh, the growth and the globalization and uh, the technological progress benefits the top 1% or top 10% or top 20% in some countries, and the others feel excluded. Uh, but uh, in the transition report, we actually compare the actual change in statistics of inequality and the perceived change in inequality as reported by people. And we see there is a big difference. So people perceive inequality is growing, even though statistics doesn't uh, doesn't confirm this belief. That may be because of mis- mismeasurement by statistics, or it may be because of the biased public opinion. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, you've mentioned just now the recent uh, EBRD transition report. Inequality, as you've just uh, touched on, is the central theme of that new transition report. And it says in the report, high levels of income and wealth inequality lead to a loss of confidence in core economic and political institutions and a backlash against market reforms, shifting public consensus towards populist policies. How big a risk do you think is inequality now for the, both the developed and developing uh, worlds and developing uh, economies? We do see an increase in populist rhetoric, even though populists don't offer constructive solutions to the problem of inequality and inclusive growth. Uh, we do see uh, the public uh, is losing uh, confidence in established uh, institutions in uh, political and business elite. And in that sense, I think it is great. it's a great risk. In our region, we have seen many reversals. We have seen 
uh, change in the direction of development of uh, both economic and political systems. But now we also see that happening in the Western Europe. And we also see that in the United States. We see that uh, the rhetoric has changed, and in some cases the outcome of the elections uh, was directly telling us that uh, people who feel excluded vote against uh, market reforms, against globalization, against what EBRD believes uh, contributes to uh, global growth. Globalization is an easy target, isn't it? But I mean, <laughs> do you think that's fair? It is, it is a good question uh, whether the populists uh, who criticize globalization are uh, right or wrong. Globalization has delivered to uh, global citizens in a, in, a, in a way that indeed hundreds of millions of uh, people were sh uh, lifted out of poverty in India and China because of globalization. Uh, on the other hand, uh, as we can see in developed countries, uh, benefits of globalization have not been shared uh, broadly. In some countries, we, we have 30 years of stagnating median wages, which means that most benefits of globalization and technological progress have been appropriated by the elites, but not the uh, majority of the public. And that, of course, doesn't mean that we don't need globalization. That means we need better globalization. We need globalization which is more inclusive, because there is much to like about globalization, but the question is how to share the benefits to make sure that uh, the majority actually supports very important driver of global growth. And this is why perception is so important, isn't it, in this whole debate? So, you know, you point out in the transition report that that perception of inequality is important when it comes to social conflict and backlashes against reforms. Uh, you know, you've, you've touched on it again several times over the past few minutes. It, it's not just the truth. Uh, it's, it's more the question of how people see the truth. This is absolutely true. And in that sense, I would say uh, the role of the public debate and in particular media uh, should not be underestimated. In some of our countries of operation, media uh, freedom is uh, not uh, perfect, let's put it this way. Some of our countries of operations have partly free media, according to Freedom House. In, in some cases, this is uh, excessive government control. In some cases, this is what's called oligarchic control of the media. In both cases, perceptions, of course, depend on how media functions. And in that sense, of course, it is not just because people are irrational or illiterate. This is also because important political interest groups uh, actually affect the communication channels and uh, shape those perceptions. Just a quick reminder, you're listening to Pocket Economics, an EBRD podcast on how economic ideas help to change people's lives. You can have your say. Uh, how can we build a more equal world? Uh, get in touch with us. We're at EBRD as our handle on Twitter and Facebook, hashtag Pocket Economics. I'm Jonathan Charles, and we're discussing inequality and how to combat it with our guest, Sergei Guriev. Sergei, you describe transition shock, inequality, and the way they have really given a, a whole load of ammunition to opportunist politicians with an anti-reform uh, narrative. Do you see that direct causal link between inequality and the rise of political populism, which we're, we're seeing in you know, large parts of the world? It's, it's not just in the emerging economies, we're seeing it all over the place. That's that's exactly right. In economics, it's very hard to establish uh, causal relationships. Uh, however, there is an increasing body of literature that is proven that this argument is actually correct. The recent work uh, on the United States by David uh, Otter and co-authors has shown that those parts of the U.S., those labor, local labor markets which have been affected by import penetration from China in the recent decade or so, uh, are the ones where uh, voting against globalization is more likely. In Great Britain, and this is done in, in our project uh, with uh, my co-authors based in uh, London and Paris, uh, we see that in Great Britain, municipalities were unemployed 
unemployment increased uh, after the uh, recent crisis. These are the municipalities uh, where people actually voted for Brexit. There is uh, not much debate that uh, Great Britain has a flexible labor market and unemployment is reasonably low on average. But the debate about inequality is exactly about going beyond the average. And we see that uh, the vote for Brexit showed that some people feel excluded and some people reject uh, the globalization. And same, of course, is happening throughout Europe. In that very project, we look at uh, the whole continent and we, we show that parts of Europe, regions, uh, cities, uh, subnational provinces uh, where un- unemployment increased during the crisis. These are the localities where people uh, lose uh, confidence in national and European political institutions. And they preserve confidence in police, uh, they trust each other, but uh, they do blame national and European politicians for what has happened in recent years. In the transition report, you talk about inequality of opportunity, which prevents people from making the best use of their skills or realizing their entrepreneurial ideas. What are, how would you define that? What are the main reasons behind that inequality of opportunity? In the transition report, we actually quantify those reasons. We actually decompose inequality of opportunity into parental background, gender, uh, place of birth. And uh, overall, inequality of opportunity is about factors that you cannot change. And that's why uh, it's so important for uh, our bank in, in, in our new transition concept, we include inclusion, which is about helping people to overcome uh, those circumstances of birth, such as gender, parental background, place of birth. And uh, our, our data show that in most of our countries, it is parental background and gender that matter the most. And inequality of opportunity, as you rightly said, is inefficient as people uh, cannot fully implement their uh, talents, cannot uh, achieve, uh, achieve what they could have done if they were born in a different place and had access to education and better career opportunities. It's also unfair. Uh, economists are usually considered to be very cynical and rational people, but uh, I think there is a very simple um, judgment to be made here. It is unfair that people people's opportunities depend on where they are born. Of course, uh, uh, this discussion is not uh, as straightforward. I I should just say that we care for our kids and we want our kids to be more successful. And in that sense, the full uh, equality of opportunity would actually deny parents an opportunity to provide better starting conditions for our kids. But uh, barring that, um, of course, inequality of opportunity is immoral and inefficient. And uh, this is why Countries with high inequality of opportunity have higher probability of rejection of the elites and rise of populace. So we've defined the problem, but what can be done? (laughs) Yes, uh, fighting inequality of opportunity is much harder than uh, fighting income inequality. We need to... uh, we need to provide uh, access to education. This is what the bank does not do per se, but we do many things which actually contribute to that. We also need to uh, provide equal opportunities uh, for women uh, and young people. We also need to increase connectivity and integration of uh, geographical locations and markets so people uh, born in rural areas still have access to uh, to economic opportunities and skills. And uh, in, in general, there is no simple um, answer to this question. There is a lot of work to be done. But uh, actually, all the solutions are on the table. It takes a lot of a lot of effort. Of course, uh, redistribution of opportunities means that some people will actually have less advantage, and therefore they're. So you powerful. have a new set of losers. Yeah, new set of losers. Exactly, mm. equalizing uh, income 
makes rich people unhappy. Equalizing opportunities makes people who are privileged, privileged, who are born in richer families, in cities, have access to better primary schools, secondary schools, and uh, universities. Uh, these people, of course, are less happy to see that. But overall, of course, societies where uh, opportunities are more equally distributed are more politically stable and therefore are more likely to choose uh, policies that promote long-term economic growth and prosperity. Sergey Guriev, thank you very much indeed. That's it for today. Do share your thoughts with us at EBRD on Twitter and Facebook. Visit iTunes, SoundCloud and EBRD.com slash podcast to download the previous episodes. And remember that reviewing and rating Pocket Economics helps others to find it. Until next time, goodbye.